0: Our second message this afternoon is from Mr. Lawrence Gregory, it is entitled The Heavens Declare the Glory of God. Our subject today is, The Heavens Declare the Glory of God. Now as our thoughts develop, they expand into supplemental ideas that complement and parallel our main theme. We'll try to briefly touch on some of those uh, supplemental themes while staying with our main topic. The heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19 verse 1. This word declare from the Hebrew is to score with a mark, use a tally or record, to recount, to inscribe. And God has certainly inscribed and recorded, not only in His Word, but in these three References to the three heavens here. The heavens, that is, the environment of this earth, the solar system, the universe, and God's throne. Declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork, day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out throughout the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them has he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going, that is the sun, forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Now, David extols not only the physical earth, and its environment. As we read back in Genesis 1 here, just think of this, just a few verses from Genesis 1. On the fourth day of recreation, verse 14, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven, to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens, to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So we see that this environment of this earth is beneficial from the heavenly uh, universe, from the stars, the sun and the moon that serve this earth. Now from that, we get our calendar calculations. Biblical calendar is based on a uh, a lunar calendar and the Gregorian calendar that we use basically is a solar calendar. Now we know there's 365 and a quarter days in our solar calendar that has to be adjusted periodically through a leap day or a leap year And same thing with the sacred calendar of God, the holiday calendar, because if there was not some adjustments in that calendar, then the Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, would be backing up. For example, next year, if you notice, in 2013, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is very early. All the days are in early September, in the middle of September. The feast does end up in the fall after September 21, but the next year, if there was no adjustment, by adding a 13th month to the calendar then the Holy Days would be backed up into August for the feast and the Passover would be in February and in each time so in every 19 year cycle there's seven years periodically where a 13th month is added to keep everything in sync with the uh, equinoxes so that God has set in the stars and the sun and the moon that we use for calendar purposes, also for the service of this earth, for migrations, for uh, surveying, for navigation. You know, uh, a lot of our navigation is based on the fixation of the stars and the sun and adjusting those to our earth's environment. So, God set these in order that there would be service to the earth. And then, of course, the heavens, the third heaven, God's throne. We know a lot about that, from the service to mankind to bring about salvation. So God prepared this physical universe and physical earth to be inhabited by man to bring many sons into glory for salvation purposes. So we see the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, David in this Psalm 19, he takes these first six verses and he prays and extols through these verbs of power here that we see of uh, showing and uttering and uh, declaring the glory of God. And then he shows uh, their line has gone out like we talked about the uh, navigation, the the alignment with the sun and the moon and the stars for navigation purposes, and the physical things about the sun and this universe. Then he goes into advancing verse seven through 12, the superiority of God's holy word, the spiritual word. And the benefits to us then bringing to conversion in verse uh, 11 and 13, ultimately then to praise and worship of God in verse 14. So this Psalm 19, I'm not not, uh, wanting to spend a lot of time on it today, you can go back and study it, is a wonderful psalm showing the advancement from the glory of this physical universe and earth and the spiritual heavens that God serves us and what it leads to leads to in a, uh, in a better understanding and appreciating his word leading to our conversion and then to praise and worship as you can see in verse 14. Now, in order to uh, go through this message today, I have some key verses and some supplemental pers- uh, verses. And Psalm 19 is the first key verse that I want to refer to and have. The second verse is in Numbers, the 24th chapter verse 17. Numbers 24, 17. Now, I may be skipping around through the scriptures today with uh, coming from tacking from different points, but uh, like I said, taking those supplemental purposes uh, to add to our main theme as we go forward. Let's look here in Psalm 24, verse 17. Now, this is during the time of uh, the exit of Israel and the uh, confrontation with Balaam. And we know that Balaam was one of the most contrary, perverse characters in the scripture. And a number of years ago, I had a uh, message covering the uh, character and the life of Balaam. and. Uh, I'm thinking about maybe sometime in the future, maybe uh, redoing that and uh, updating it some. But I want us to go in chapter 24, briefly here, to verse 17. Now, Balaam is, uh, without going into his life, uh, you know, he's accepted a lot of money from king to come and curse Israel, and God kept... uh, Uh, telling him not to curse, but every time Balaam would try to utter a curse, God would change that into a blessing. So uh, here, I'm just breaking into a a thought of one of his uh, parables here and where he was uh, praising God, verse 17, because uh, he was one of those duplicitous characters. The new God knew his word and knew his way, but he was perverting it for money's sake. And and it's the way of Balaam that Jude condemns in the scriptures of taking money to pervert the gospel of God verse 17 I shall see him he will but not now I shall behold him but not now in the resurrection when he's brought up to give an account in judgment for his ways there shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth or Seth. Now, a star. You know what a star is. We, we have it on television, uh, a very prominent, very popular person that is uh, very key. We make stars, movie stars, uh, television stars, music stars, people of prominence. But also a star is something that gives light, and it gives heat. And back in Psalm 19, uh, I was uh, uh, referring to about the sun and its impact on the earth and how it gives light and heat on the earth. And I was thinking, uh, you know, you, uh, you've probably, uh, or many of us probably have seen uh, slow motion um, movies of uh, flowers and plants and things. And when the sunlight comes on them, how they uh, stretch out and reach for the sun and now in the, in the spring and the summer when uh, the uh, ground begins to warm up, the bulbs and things that we have planted in the, in the uh, ground began to uh, grow and produce because the heat from the sun is bringing life and then the light, you need soil water and light to have life and so you've probably seen those flowers it's kind of almost like they're just kind of worshiping the sun, they're not, but, you know, as the sun goes by and you've seen those pictures and the the flowers open up, and there was one scientist, and I I didn't, um, I don't know who he was, or didn't write his name down, but had said, if he could have enough room and enough different soils and plant the different plants, he could tell exactly the hour of the day or night of when those plants bloomed or when they opened. Some of you, and I know when we were in uh, Kansas, one of our homes there, we had, and I don't know the name of it, some of you might know, it was a moonflower um, uh, that, were, uh, that would open in the moon. When the moon would shine, then the flower would open up. And there's different uh, plants like that. So different hours of the day, different plants bloom and open, and that has the way God has created it and made it. And so it, when we look at that and we study it, god is magnified and we give glory and praise to him for doing it so god has uh, placed on this earth and in this universe so many different, wonderful scientific practical physical things that just couldn't have happened it has to come from a creator god and so we come back to god and to praise and worship for him for making it and creating it this way now uh, let's go just a minute here to a a few supplemental scriptures we'll go to the book of Job chapter 38 7 Job 38 7 I'm going to have to just uh, read uh, like usual a few verses and not the whole context Talking about uh, creation, God is asking Job, where were you when I, when I created all of this? Answer me, you know, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare it if you have understanding. Who's laid the measure, verse 5, thereof? If you know, or who stretched the line upon it? Again, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. What I was going to show here is the reference in metaphors and analogies and similes and symbols and however you want to uh, accept this, the representation of the angels connected to the stars. And so here we see that the stars, the angels, Rejoiced when God brought this all into being. So they were created first as angelic life, the different beings. And then this earth, physical earth, was created. And I don't want to go, uh, I've done it before, I don't want to do it today, and recreation and uh, the uh, original time of uh, Satan and the, and, the, and the angels and the rebellion and the earth and all the things that happened. And then God's recreating and replanting replenishing and re-cleansing this earth, preparing it for mankind. But let's go to Revelation now, uh, 1, verse 16. Revelation 1, 16. And he had in his right hand the seven stars, this is Christ, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shining in his strength. And in verse 20, The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks, which you saw are the seven churches. So showing here the stars and angels as a connection between the two. Now, uh, the message to the seven churches in Revelation there was addressed to each church, each congregation was the angel or the messenger. It could have been the minister, it could have been the, the individual, because sometimes stars are likened to individuals and or angels, and they're used sometimes synonymous. As we advance through here, we'll see how stars sometimes are uh, likened to angels and sometimes to men. Judges, the fifth chapter, verse... Uh, 18 through 23. Just want to break in a time of uh, Barak and uh, Deborah and when she was delivering Israel with uh, Jael that uh, drove a spike through the head of Caesarea one of the Canaanite kings and uh, brought about the subjection of the uh, Canaanites in their war with the Israelites, but in chapter 5, verse 18, Zebulun and Naphtali, a couple of the tribes, were a people that jeoparded their lives under the death in the high place of the field. And the kings came and fought. Then fought the kings of Canaan in uh, Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. That's the northern part of Israel. They took no gain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Caesarea. So Daniel prophesied. Revelation talked about. Remember Michael and his angels that fought against the devil and his angels. So here is a reference to, is this just stars that are fighting against men? But the angels that came to help Israel, these two tribes, defeat the uh, Canaanites in this battle, so that they could survive and continue on, unless they would have been destroyed and decimated. And if the Canaanites had won, and no more Israel tribes of, uh, of uh, let's see, uh, Zebulun and Naphtali, but they were victorious because these angels were coming, and we know from scriptures different times when they came and fought with Israel, like Michael is one of the angels over Israel to help defend against the, um, the enemies, Revelation 2, 28 and 22, 16. Now this is another key scripture here, Revelation 2, 28. Jesus said one of the promises to uh, the victors in the church that I will give him the morning star. And in Revelation 22:16 I Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, have sent my angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David." So Jesus is a direct descendant, through Mary, of King David. "...and the bright and morning star." Jesus said He is the morning star. Now there are a number of planets, uh, Venus and uh, Mercury and Jupiter and Saturn sometimes and Mars sometimes uh, during during the year, but the prominent, the most, the brightest star in the heavens next to the moon is Venus, and Venus is both a morning star and an evening star, depending on several months in the morning. As you, if you go out at, uh, early in the morning before the sun comes up, the morning star is there, or maybe uh, sometimes a couple of them, and then a little bit later, uh, Venus slips behind the sun and it tra- traverses to the west, and then a few months later it becomes an evening star for several months. And so you can take, uh, if you study astronomy and, and, and follow that out, you'll see that there are several morning and evening stars and in their rotation with the universe. Now Jesus said he is the morning star. Now remember, and we'll look at this a little later, the references also to Jesus Christ to the son of righteousness, paralleling some of the things from the universe to describe. Now. Know this, there are several morning stars. Now, Venus is in uh, waning now for the next couple of months and then it'll disappear and then it'll come back in uh, a few months to the evening star. Earlier during this uh, week, uh, I was up about four o'clock and my wife, uh, Janice, uh, asked me, She says, Are you going out stargazing? And <laughs> I said, uh, No, I've seen them all before, uh, but. Uh, I uh, wanted to uh, just take a moment here, and uh, read something from Dake's Bible about uh, the stars, and about uh, the perversion of those stars into pagan mythology, and uh, he shows, and I won't go through all the scriptures here, but showing how the scriptures condemn enchantments. Witchcraft, sorcery, soothsaying, divination, wizardry, necromancy, that's uh, communication with the dead, like around Halloween time. Magic, not just sleight of hand or tricking, but when you appeal to spiritual forces to fool people because of some superstitious spiritual force. Magic, we, 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 you know what I'm talking about there. Charms, prognostication observing times, astrology and stargazing. And so Janice knew I wasn't and I don't go out and uh, use stargazing as a devotional practice, but only as an observation. And uh, I used to like to walk, walk. I've probably mentioned this before many times uh, for years, I would walk at nine o'clock at night because I like to see the movement of the stars and uh, the the change of the moons. uh, each day and each, uh, as it goes through the month. But, oh, about a year ago, I changed that to 5 o'clock in the afternoon because it's safer in the area to walk uh, with uh, more traffic and, and people coming and going, and, and it's daylight. Even in wintertime at 5 o'clock, it's still pretty light out. Barring snow and, and uh, ice and rain, I don't go out on those days. But still, the rotation, the physical things, the stars that portray some of the spiritual things that are going on. And Jesus likens himself to a bright and morning star. Now, uh, this word uh, morning star bright is uh, proinos, morning star. And uh, the, uh, in Revelation 22:16, it's, Parothelramus means morning. A couple of different Greek words. I don't don't want to go. You can look those up. Uh, Number 4407 and also number 3720. Uh, Different Greek words for Jesus. Now, now just uh, keep in mind here and hold up just a little bit uh, in our thought because I'll try to bring some of this together. Jesus likens himself to the morning star, to a morning star. Now, let's go to Revelation 2. 228, back up to there, because he said that it's the overcomers that are going to receive that benefit and that blessing that he is going to give us the morning star. So that says that he is going to be in us, the believers, to share that. Now let's go to uh, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Back up to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Verse 4, he's talking here about the gospel of truth. In uh, verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto themselves. Verse 6, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then back up to chapter 3, the ending verses there. Verse 18, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now remember Jesus, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because the Father and I look alike. And we are to look like Jesus Christ. And so we are to be transformed from verse 18, from glory to glory. So we take on Christ's appearance, we look like him, and so, when he is the morning star, and he's going to give us the morning star, and we're going to be bright like he is, give light out of darkness. Because, you know, light is stronger than darkness. You take a little candle into a dark room, and it and it'll shed light. But you take that uh, candle and bring uh, turn the turn the main lights off and make it darker. There's still light there because light is stronger than darkness unless you put the light out completely, then you'll have total darkness. But you bring a little bit of light, and then it um, will uh, lighten up. So, what I'm saying here is that uh, we are to take on the glory of Christ, as He took on the glory of the Father. Now, um, a few years ago, when we were at the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the times in Canada, and must have been early part of the feast, maybe after the initial evening meeting, the first, the first night as we were walking back to the parking lot with some of the brethren. And the parking lot is on the east side of the ski resort where we have our meetings there in uh, Collingwood, okay. Ontario, Canada. And so, of course, you know, at the Passover time and at the Feast of Tabernacles, there's always a big, brilliant, full moon shining from the east as it rises, big, and I noticed, oh look at that wonderful man in the moon. And you see the mountainous regions on uh, earth, you know, looks like a couple of eyes and a nose and a mouth, smiling, looking down. And uh, one of the members says, the man in the moon, what's that? I said, yes, I'd never heard that expression before. And I explained to them about the appearance and how it looks and, and next time at the end of November now, when we have another full moon, if you haven't seen that before, go out, it's always, The moon rising to the east here between, uh, say, 7 and 9 o'clock. And you'll see this big, bright, full moon. And it looks like a face shining down. The man in the moon. Now, let's go to... um, Well, I'll I'll come to that a little later uh, about the church. Remember that the man in the moon, the face. Remember the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Christ in us and the glory that we are to have as we look like him so remember that now let's go to uh, our fourth key scripture here is Matthew the second chapter Matthew 2 verse 1 and 2 now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king of uh, uh, behold there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. We have seen his star in the east. Now, we've just got through this holiday, holiday of Halloween, and we're so glad that that's behind us. Now we're approaching with the Thanksgiving coming up, but just soon after, in a couple of months, the Xmas holidays, in which there's so much commercialism and so much fraud and so much dishonesty and so much error about the birth of Jesus. And one of them is that they present these magi as sorcerers. If you read references, you'll, you'll see these were stargazers and worshipers and the sorcerers that were coming. But when you really understand that these were wise men, they were priests that knew about God, they knew the scriptures, they knew about Christ, they knew about the king, they knew about the history of the Jews. And we know about the Parthians that were, uh, some of the tribes of Israel that were in the eastern part of what we call Persia now, uh, which would be uh, Iran, uh, the the east part of Iran and into the Indias. So some of the tribes of Israel that had migrated into that area. So keep in mind that these wise men saw this star and, and the Greek says it was in the uh, the place where they saw it, not that they were looking east and saw this star because if they had followed it, they would have been going east rather than about a 1,000 miles to the west. So they're over in the east and they see this, they're in the east and they see this star. And they go about a 1,000 miles to Jerusalem and they're looking for this, they get there, they begin asking where because the star disappeared and they finally came to Herod's attention and uh, he called them and uh, asked about them and the time and then, you know, deceitfully because he was going to kill this, this baby. He wasn't wanting to worship. Uh, verse six, and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah, this is the priests that are talking, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of you shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Talking about Jesus, about the king that was to, to be born. So these uh, Jewish leaders there recognized and they knew the scriptures. Then, verse 7, Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So for them to travel a thousand miles would have taken them months. So maybe anywhere from four five, six months of travel uh, by camel, donkey, or walking, or however they got there. And uh, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. So recognizing that times passed, that this is a young child, And when you found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. He was a liar. And uh, when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So this star came and stood. Who stands? An angel stands over the house this star moved, it wasn't a planet. Uh, now, our uh, naval observatories and British observatories, uh, they can't, astronomers, they can't figure out what star was there uh, because a meteorite <laughs> shoots through, a comet <laughs> go through. Which star would they have seen that they could have followed that would have showed them exactly where Jesus was born, save an angel, an angel that stood over. And when they saw this angel, they rejoiced because of they were there at the uh, house where and, and when they were coming into the house, they saw the young child. So he was born in a manger, put in the. So this is months later, and so that's why Herod had asked to be the time when they saw this, so he could kill everybody under two years of age, just to make sure he got every all of those children that were there. Now. Uh, most of us know the history and the story of Christmas and Halloween and Easter and all the paganism, and the corruption there. And you know more of this story. So I'm just going to uh, leave that there and go on to uh, another key scripture back in the Old Testament of Malachi, the fourth chapter. And uh, verse 2 and 3, Malachi 4. Uh, let, me, let me just read in verse 1. Uh, 1, 2, and 3, through, through to first three verses. For behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, the wicked burn up. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in His wings. And you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. So, this Son of Righteousness, who is that? That's Jesus Christ. When He comes... And when he sends his blessing and his power and force and life and spirit into us, healing comes in his wings. Now, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, when we had some little cooler weather, and one evening I was driving, it was uh, about sundown, it was kind of cloudy, and uh, there was some rain over to the east, I could tell. But it was a most beautiful thing because the clouds were kind of broken clouds, and the sun was still there, and it was shining through, and there were rays of sun. You've seen the sunbeams coming through. Just a beautiful. And then a few years ago, uh, Janice and I were returning from um, Carl's place in the southwest Missouri, and we were headed south into Arkansas, and then we come straight into Tulsa on Highway 412, and there's a big full moon. And here again, it was kind of a little bit cloudy, but it was, it was uh, maybe 7, 8 o'clock in the evening and the moon was shining down. And I had never seen moonbeams like this before. If you've seen those sun rays like that or moonbeams, it's a wonderful, incredible sight to see those bright beams of light just coming down to the earth like this from the moon. And then it it just registered on me, moonbeams. You hear songs about it and you hear about it and stories about it, but when you actually see those things, Like I've told one time when I was flying to Houston, Texas up and it had been uh, rainy down below and the sun was shining, it was in the afternoon, and I was looking out the left window of the airplane and there was a round rainbow, round rainbow. And this is, I guess, a pretty common when I studied it out. I'd never seen a round rainbow before. I've seen them, you know, with a horizon. But this was completely around. They say airline pilots and people who fly a lot see these because it's a common occurrence when you're up to see the complete circle of the rainbow. But that was so impressive. And so these things that God has made, the good things are awe-inspiring, and they just bring back to the glory of God, and we advance God in our thinking and think, you know, this is more than what man could do. What man could think of those things and all the wonderful things of creation, the things that he's done that just... Bring it to uh, glory and, and to praise Him. Now, it says, when they saw His star, His star, His angel. Jesus is a little baby there in the house, but His star, His angel. And we talk about, you know, without, about angels that are assigned, protecting angels, angels that enshroud as We ask God to to protect us, and His angels sometimes to protect, to be with us in our travels and trips and things. And all who have been worshipers of God over the years have been absolutely astounded and incredible, not, not incredible, but uh, I guess uh, blessed to see God's divine intervention in our life, hasn't we? Seen how many times He's answered prayer or He brought about circumstances or providential happenings that... Something was prohibited from happening, some bad thing or some good thing came from it. And so we give God praise for all of the wonderful things that He has done. Now, calves, rejoicing calves. You know, a calf that's born in the stall and is let out in the field, how frisky it is. You've seen movies and pictures, and if you grew up on a farm, you know how frisky little calves are. Light and life and boy, they're free and they're Isn't that just the way that we Receive God's Spirit with, with life and energy, light, heat, energy, force, power, the darkness dispelled, energy. Just think of all of these metaphors and analogies. Now I wrote down here uh, a metaphor from my Webster's Collegiate Dictionary. Here's a metaphor. Is a figure of speech by which a word or phrase literally denoting one kind of object or idea is applied to another to suggest a likeness between them. So we're familiar with the scriptures. There's a lot of, uh, uh, in the scriptures, allegories, analogies, symbols, types, parables, proverbs that counteract all of those evil things that the devil stirred up that I read a, a little while ago about stargazers and, uh, and prognosticators and and astrologers and all of the evil that they're doing. So there is a good analogy or comparison of the physical things with spiritual things if it's used according to the scriptures with balance and correctness to where it, where it agrees with the scriptures. Not in a False, another gospel or a uh, false gospel. So now, another key scripture. in second Peter, the first chapter. We were pretty close to there earlier in the first message. Second uh, Peter 1:19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereinto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. What? A day star arise in our hearts? Well, we saw earlier about we'd be given the morning star, And he is the morning star. And he's also the son of righteousness. Well, can he be several things, uh, representations? Yes. There are different representations sometimes of evil, like you have the devil, Satan, a dragon, uh, a cherub, uh, a fallen angel that... uh, is uh, evangelic life. And so we have Christ, the Son, Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. He manifests Himself as an angel, in the, as an angel of the Lord at times. You can go back to the scriptures, you know this. He can manifest Himself as the morning star, as the day star, as the son of righteousness. And so here, let me just share with you here uh, Greek. For the day star, the Greek word is phosphorus, phosphorus, and the day dawn is uh, the Greek word is to break through when the when the so before the sun comes up when it's dark if you if you want to go out in the morning and look about four o'clock five o'clock before you know uh, before it gets light before the sun comes up you'll see the morning stars over there. And they're the precursors to the sun that's to come and to light. So they're there before, this actually the sun. So this word daystar is phosphorus. Now I'm gonna I'm going to uh, mention this because you know what phosphorus is. We get matches from phosphorus. It's a luminescent, iridescent material. It's also very explosive. Uh, when we were coming back from the from the feast this year, from Canada, I not noticed a big truck, and it had on it uh, "danger, big diamonds, danger, phosphorescence," or phosphorus, whatever was on it. And I thought must be a load of matches, going, because, you know, we call the matches phosphorus or Lucifer. You remember you've heard uh, a Lucifer, a term for matches. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Well, I took one of my match uh, boxes here, and I brought with me. And uh, bear with me just a little bit. I'm going to read here. Aviso sere las caja antes de encender el fosforo," And it means, caution, close box before striking match. Phosphoro, Fosforo. And so you probably have uh, heard the phrase and the term of a match, phosphor also identified as Lucifer. A Lucifer, how many of you heard that, Lucifer? A match, Lucifer, uh, a military guy back there. Used to smoke? No, don't get <laughs> Okay, let's go back to see about this Lucifer. And uh, there's two scriptures. We'll first go to, um, oh wait, uh, before before that, go to Revelation, the 12th chapter. I, I'm, I'm leaving out something here, a supplemental scripture. Revelation 12, we we went through this just briefly uh, a little bit in Bible study, but uh, this uh, Revelation 12 is uh, uh, an inset chapter about the history of the church of God uh, down through uh, several thousand years. And then th- chapter 13 is the apostate church of God that is a uh, worshiper of the dragon, the devil. But here in uh, Revelation 12, um, let me, let me turn there, um, I want to go, uh, verse one, and there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. And in verse uh, three, and there appeared another, well, a star, a wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. This dragon drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast him to the earth. And the, er, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour the child as soon as it was born. Now, I <laughs> looked at one of my uh, uh, astronomy books and I, I, I didn't write the number down, but it was something like 60... Uh, godzillion or something like that. I can't remember the number. It was enormous. It had about 20 some zeros of possible stars in the universe. Now a star is, and usually about half of those they say are companions. And those stars are suns that have solar systems or maybe planets or other objects around them. So I don't know how many trillion, trillion, trillions of stars there are, but If you brought a third of those stars from heaven and cast them on the earth, we wouldn't be here. This earth wouldn't be here, would it? So it's talking about the angels. This being drew at one time a third part of the angels and brought them back to this earth. Now this is where we get into, and I don't want to spend any more time on this about creation, original creation and recreation and the, the six days of Genesis 1 that were 24 hour periods, not a thousand years, not 6,000 years, not 10 billion years, but when God began to re-cle- re-cleanse and replenish this earth, we find the light is there, and then on the fourth day, the sun and moon and the stars, and so uh, we can show pre-Adamic creation of time when Satan and his angels rebelled and revolted against God. Now, the glory of this woman the sun and the moon, that's where we, uh, remember I mentioned about that man and the moon and the face of the moon and this likened to this moon, this woman that gave birth to this child that was persecuted by the devil. You can read the rest of Revelation 12 and see uh, that. But let's go back to um, Isaiah. The, um, no, no. Um, Yeah, let's go to Isaiah 14, verse 12. And a parallel chapter is uh, Ezekiel 28, but let's go to Isaiah 14, 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nation? Now, let me explain something here. Lucifer is not a Hebrew word. Lucifer is a Latin word. The Hebrew word here for this individual is Hallel, H-A-Y-L-E-L. Look it up in your Hebrew. It is Hallel, and it means morning brightness. Son is Ben. We know Ben-Ami, Ben-Ami, Ben uh, Ben is the word for son or used as a grandson or descendant. Son, B-E-N, the Hebrew word. And then also the word for star, son of the morning, the morning star is what's indicated here. The word is Shakar and it means morning star. It means shining, day, dawn, early light, morning star. And so, let me tell you this. The name of Lucifer only occurs one time in the scripture and here it was translated in the English by the King James translators from Latin, not from the Hebrew. So the Latin word for Lucifer, and if you want, and if it uh, can be uh, correctly referred to uh, as a name of different nations, uh, that's acceptable, like my name. Is uh, in Spanish Lorenzo Gregorio, Lawrence Gregory. In Russian, what would you call me? Uh, in don't have a name. you don't have a name for me <laughs> in Russian. Gregory, that's it. Gregory, right? Yeah. Right. Got half of it. So, uh, what's your name in Russian? Ilya. Yeah. Ilya. And in English, it's Ilya. It's Elijah, but I just kept it. Okay. So we could go through, we know in different languages have different sounds of pronunciation, but it's the same thing. So the point I'm making here, this is only one time that Lucifer occurs here. And it's in English, we use it as a match. You get a Lucifer, you light your cigarette or your pipe or your candle or your light or your fireplace or whatever from a Lucifer. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Is he just interested in being over the planets or over the angels? I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that shall see you narrowly look upon you and consider, saying, Is this the person that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms? And uh, now go to... Uh, Ezekiel 28, parallel scripture. Ezekiel 28. Now, that was a king of Tyrus. Could only be applied to Satan, not to a man. Ezekiel 28. And here we have Ezekiel writing 100 and some years later that uh, is talking about the uh, king of Babylon. Uh, let's see verse 11 moreover the word of the lord came unto me saying son of man take up a lamentation upon the king of, ba- of tyrus not the king of tyrus and say unto him you say, uh, thus says the lord god you sealed up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty you've been in eden the garden of god every precious stone was your covering the sardius topaz the diamond the beryl the onyx the jasper the sapphire the emerald and the carbuncle and gold the workmanship of thy tabres and of thy pipes was prepared in you in the day that you was created, a beautiful musical being. You are the anointed cherub that covers, that was even at the throne of God, covering the throne of God, and I have set you so. You was upon the holy mountain of God. You walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire in that holy throne of God, where's this fire in the center, burning in bright light, giving life. You was perfect in thy ways from the day that you was created till iniquity was found in you. So over some billions of years, whatever. Then he persuaded the angels, the multitude of your merchandise, you, they have filled the midst of you with violence and you have sinned. Therefore I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by the reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I will lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of you, spontaneous combustion. It shall devour you, and it will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. And they shall know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee thou shalt be a terror, which he is, a destruction, the word terror is destroyed, you shall be destroyed, and never shall you be anymore. Now I'm going to say this, some believe, Satan, as the scriptures show in Revelation, will be thrown into the lake of fire, that is prepared for the devil and his angels, Revelation 20, he's thrown in there, and he is tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, Tormented, not tormenting. Tormented. The consequences of sin is death, d e a t h, not life. Unconsciousness, unawareness until a resurrection. If he's thrown in the lake of fire, it burn up, cease to exist. His torment, the consequences of sin, is forever. Now, contrary to that, others believe that Satan's fate is to be in the in hell, fire burning down there on those stones forever and ever. Gleefully in restraint but alive forever being tormented by uh, hell fire so there's two thoughts about the fate and the destiny of Satan you know how I feel about that and you know what the preponderance of scripture show just as we've read some of the things here so uh, I just want to leave that for uh, a moment here now let's go on to another key scripture uh, let's see I've got a couple more uh, Luke the 12th chapter And uh, verse 29, Jesus is talking about the things that the Gentiles strive for, the things of the world, the opulence, the things of life. But in verse 29, he tells us, Seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither Be ye of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to us. Now, this word doubtful, uh, if you uh, look in uh, Dake's Bible, it's a a reference Bible, King James Bible, but it's published in the author uh, of uh, a lot of the footnotes and things, I think. Ron, will you have a Dake's Bible, don't you? Do you have it with you? No. And how many have a, a Dake's edition? Okay, a number of you. On um, page uh, seventy-five, this word he explains this word. You can look in the in the Greek word for doubtful is meteorite or meteorizito or something like that in the Greek. I don't. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I can't pronounce it correctly, but it's meteorite. Now, he says here, let me, let me, I copied this and it's fine, fine print. Uh, meteorizo, to raise in midair, suspend, fluctuate, be anxious, or carried about as meteors moved about with the currents, tossed up and down between hope and fear. The rebuke concerns the heathen who, Superstitiously seek guidance by meteors, planets, signs of the zodiac, and all the magic and witchcraft and traffic with demons in the name of astrology, etc., which are condemned by scriptures, along with, and the ones that I mentioned earlier, along with uh, enchantments, witchcraft, sorcery, soothsaying, divination, wizardry, necromancy, magic charms, prognostication, observing times, astrology. All the above practices were and still are carried on in connection with demons called familiar spirits. All who forsook God and sought help from these demons were to be destroyed. And so God condemns stargazing as a devotional, astrological practice of reading the stars and trying to do better in this life. But he shows by analogy and comparison and representation, when he compares the stars with the angels, there are some good references to the heavens and why they were created in all of these angelic life, these angels that were created to bring, help man, to bring salvation to man, to serve mankind. Just as the sun, and moon, and stars serve this planet Earth to make it a, a good, wholesome place to live. And yet the devil wants to destroy. He wants to pervert that. He wants to twist that all around and and abuse it and misuse it. And so uh, the scriptures present the truth in various ways, as I mentioned, in these analogies and comparisons and different figures of speech. Okay, my last uh, uh, key scripture here, Isaiah 47, chapter And uh, verse 13. Uh, beginning in, um, let's begin in verse 10. Boy, we have to go back to verse 1, but we'll start at verse 10. For you have trusted in thy wickedness. You have said, none sees me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it has perverted thee. And you have said in your heart, I am and none else beside me. Therefore shall evil come upon you. You shall not know from whence it rises. And mischief shall fall upon you. You shall not be able to put it off. And and desolation shall come upon you suddenly. Which you shall not know. How many people wonder, why is this happening to me? Why am I suffering so? Stand now with your enchantments and with the multitude of your sorceries, wherein you have labored from your youth, if it so be that you shall be able to profit, if so be that you may prevail, you are wearied in the multitude of your counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators, stand up and save you from these things that shall come upon you. Behold, they shall be as stubble. They, these evil forces that we just read, they shall be a stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sit before. Thus shall they be unto thee with whom thou hast labored, even thy merchants from thy youth. They shall wander every one to his quarter. None shall save you. So it's useless, it's vain to trust in astrology, zodiac, the signs, these things that, the devil and the demons pervert and twist to their own uh, uh, use and their own uh, glory and not to the glory of God. So, in closing here, uh, let me see if I can, cause I've written and written and rewritten some things. So, uh, I'll, j- I'll just say this. I've used a few personal examples of some things that I've experienced in my life about the glories of this, uh, of heaven and the universe and the earth to glorify and magnify God. And you have a lot of experiences like that. And we could all stand up here, we could spend a lot of time probably talking about the things that you've seen, the things you've experienced, and the, the great things in life that have uh, touched you and inspired you, just as, a, just as a few things that I mentioned today. So the glory of the stars has been perverted to the use by the devil. He has counterfeited God's righteous way through the glory of the stars into corrupt pagan false practices. He has abused the angel star metaphor to his own evil use. We know the truth about God, about the good holy angels versus the bad evil angels about Christ's glory of the Father shared with us. And how we're putting on that glory and ultimately we will shine as they do in full glory, sharing that glory with them. The reason for the physical universe and earth was God created it to be inhabited. He created this earth and the universe to bring about the salvation of mankind and to assist man in their path to that eternal salvation. So, here in summary. Brethren, I appeal to all of us, self-included, don't be misled, confused, turned aside by the devices of Satan. Hold fast to the right, the true, the holy way of God through Christ in us. Appreciate that the heavens declare the glory of God.